Today we continue to go through our sermon series on fear and anxiety and worry and how the gospel of Jesus Christ engages and equips and empowers us to journey along in it. And today we'll be reading from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, one of the things that we're looking at in the title of this sermon is from platitude to power. And one of the reasons why I titled it that was that oftentimes you might be in a conversation with a fellow believer, someone who is on this journey in Christ with you, and you might be sharing some deep, dark thing in your life that is going on, some anxiety that is rising up, or some pain that is happening to you. And it's clear that in the conversation they've been engaged with you, and they've been trying to help you, and they've been loving and caring, but there comes a point normally that they're just at a loss for words. There is nothing else they can say to bring comfort to your soul. And inevitably what can take place is they will say something that sounds like this. Well, and, and it's quoting scripture, mind you. The Lord won't give us more than we can handle. Or don't be anxious, pray. And it comes across as a, a platitude, that trite sort of throw-off line that is meant to give comfort, but when we hear it, it just doesn't sound real to us. Maybe to help you out, let me give you nine examples of dumb platitudes so that you can have them. Everything happens for a reason. It is what it is. Guilty. Good things come to those who wait. This is a classic. Time heals all wounds. When God closes a door, he opens a window. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Just think about how much worse other people have it. If you're a parent, you know you've said that. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It only matters that you tried. False. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Thank you, Kelly Clarkson. So when we begin to think about platitudes and we come to this place of anxiety and worry in our life, we come to this passage where Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi, a church that does have things that are happening, and he himself is in prison while he's writing this. And there are those who are within the community in Philippi who are downgrading or trying to discredit Paul in who he is. 
And yet he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. See, the first thing that he tells us is that there's a place of praise that springs forth from us because we know that the Lord is what? That the Lord is coming, yes, but that the Lord is also present and that he is at hand. And because of that, we have the ability to lift our eyes and see him high and lifted up, mighty as the loving, pursuing God that he is. And we can say to ourselves, I praise you, God. I want to praise you, God. Help us in our unbelief, right? But then he says, don't be anxious about anything. And he gives us the steps that we need to take in order to engage with this anxiousness. The first thing that he tells us that we need to do is we need to pray. The second thing that he tells us that we need to do is ponder. And then the third thing that we need to do is practice. So we need to pray, we need to ponder, and we need to practice. How very preachy of me today. So let's talk about prayer first. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Now, those are big words. They are words of certainty. They are words that are all or nothing type words. They're words that actually, as people that live in the flesh, we really should never say that. Like, I'd never get angry. See, I just did it. Never. They're those words that sort of set things out like there's no possibility that it can happen outside of this. But he tells us, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing should make you anxious. But in everything, big and small, pray. By everything, prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made to God. Now there's four things that are said there. Prayer, prayer is that general calling out to God. Prayer is the thing that is our communication with God. And more than us talking to God in prayer in generally, it is about us realigning our heart with what God is already doing. You see, when we pray, we take our eyes off ourselves and it causes us to see God for who he is. And in seeing God for who he is, it realigns our hearts to what he has called us to be and to do. And so he says prayer, general prayer. That's that calling out to God. And then he says this, supplication. So there's a sense that in our prayer, in our getting realigned with God, we begin to notice that there are things that we are lacking. When we see God high and lifted up, our own hearts begin to recognize that there are things that we are lacking. What is it that we lack? Well, one of the things that we lack is the ability to not become over-concerned with the things in the world around us. If you remember our first sermon in this series, the first talk that we had, we talked about that worry is over-concerned. Concern is appropriate. There are things in the world that we should be really thinking and concerned about, that we should be planning on how we engage them. But that worry is that over-concern, that thing that it takes over our life and it moves us from trusting God to distrusting God, that he has the ability to make a way. And so as we pray, we realign ourselves with God and then our supplications come, our requests come because we recognize that there are things that we are lacking. And probably the thing that we're lacking most is trust in God and how to engage the things that we're missing out. 
And so he says, you need to have supplication to God. So prayer and supplication. And then he says this, you should have thanksgiving. That we ask these things that we're praying with thanksgiving. So there's a heart of gratitude. So at the very beginning of this passage, there's a heart of praise. And here in the middle, as we're dealing with anxiety, we recognize that there is a heart of thanksgiving. That we have gratitude. In gratitude, there is some places where it is a, a, a we've received something and so we are thankful that we've received it. But often it is a future-oriented sort of gratitude that says, I am thankful for what I've received and I'm thankful for the things that you will be doing. You see, gratitude is, a, is definitely from a posture of trust. It's a place that this was a good gift that you've received, that I've gotten from you and I've received, but there are more to come. There are things that you are going to do that I can be thankful for. And I'm already currently thankful for. It changes the way that we look at the world. It changes our outlook. It gives us the ability to know that God is good and all he does is good. And then he says, let your request be made known to God. The interesting thing about that in the Greek is it's, uh, it means specific requests, like specific things. As minute as I need a really good parking place, or I need my daily bread, or I'd like this job, or heal my daughter. That there's a place where we need to be specific in how we engage with God. Because by being specific, it causes us to recognize our desperate need for His provision. How often do we encounter a place where we know we need to pray, but we just generalize it? Lord, you know I'm going through a tough time. I'd really like you to handle that for me. Just, Lord, you, you, you know I'm really worried right now. Could you please um, give me peace and hope? Lord, you, you know that um, I, I'm desperately in need. Um, can you feel, fill that need up for me? Instead of saying, Lord, I, I, I'm at my wit's end and I, I am in an abusive relationship and, and I need escape from that. And Lord, can you help me? Can you bring somebody today into my life? And it's not that we're trying to manipulate God by saying, we're not going to believe you if you don't do this. But it is saying, I recognize the desperateness of my situation and I'm going to be specific in my request for you. I need this. And if our minds have been brought to God and realigned with Him through our prayer and through our praise and through our gratitude, then we recognize that He is a good, good Father. And good, good fathers provide for their children what they need. My children hopefully feel like they can ask me for anything. Now they know often that I will tell them no. Because I think I don't want to do it or I think it's not good for them. Sadly, my heart's a lot more wicked than it should be. And oftentimes it's selfish reasons that I tell them no. But when we approach God as the good, good father that he is, then any request is valid because we recognize that he will be able to determine in that request what is best for us. And he will give it to us. Generously overflowing 
And so when we begin to become over-concerned and we begin to have anxiety, the first thing we should do is pray. And this is the promise for us in that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard is like a centurion. It's it's like a sentry. It's like a, a guard. A a, a Roman soldier who is watching out in protection. So he says, as you're praying, I don't want you to be anxious about anything, but in everything pray, align yourself with God, seek who he is, bring specific requests for him so you recognize what they are. God already knows what they are, but it helps you know what you really need. And then he says this, that it will guard your heart. The peace of God comes to guard your heart. In a book um, called Anxiety, Anatomy and Cure, Robert Kellerman tells us this, that vigilance or protection is a God-given emotion that urges us to act quickly in response to a threat. Anxiety is vigilance that is out of control. He says this, God's vigilance is like a guard for us. It is the one that stands and protects us. So he puts it this way. Vigilant faith and anxiety and anger are cousins. Picture their family tree. Anger, the fight response to a threat. That is vigilant justice. It's an attack. Here we take matters into our own hands and our own power for our own benefit. Notice that anger is a tough guy, is just as fearful and terrified as an anxious person. The response is just different. Anxiety is the flight response to a threat. Retreat. Here we take our safety into our own hands. If I worry enough, if I worry enough, At least I feel as if I have some control. But vigilant faith is the faith is vigilance is the faith response to a threat. And it befriends and tends and it engages and it protects. Here we place our safety and the safety of others in God's hands while we take a stand for his plan. It is befriending and it tends for others, even when we feel threatened. So God says, I am vigilant for you. You be vigilant for yourself and for others. That the peace that I have given you will be a guard to your heart and your minds, and it will guard others. Because you'll join in community to say, there's lots of things that we could worry about, but let's not worry, let's pray. Now that sounds like a platitude. But it has power in it because it leads us to the guarding peace of Jesus Christ. So first we pray. Then we ponder. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Ponder. Now, ponder is a little too passive for me. So let's move from ponder, because it says think or ponder or dwell, some translations. And let's maybe say more actively, 
pursue. Pursue these things. That I'm, I'm going to think about them, but my thinking is going to be uh, thinking that is so deep about these things that it compels me to seek them out. So I'm going to pursue whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. All of those things. And I could take time today to define those things, but I want you to take time yourself to look them up. What is lovely? What is commendable? What is excellent? What is praiseworthy? But perhaps the best definition for us in these things, the one that holds all of them together, is that it's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the only lovely. Jesus is the only just. Jesus is the only pure. Jesus is the thing that we can commend above everything else to all things. Jesus is all of excellence. He is worthy of all praise. And he is above all things. And so as I'm pondering and pursuing Jesus then I can go back and my prayers can align me well with who God is. I'll be specific in my request. His peace will protect me and I cannot have anxiety about anything. Because Jesus is who I am looking to and running after. The great thing is he catches me long before I'll ever catch him. Because he runs a whole lot faster towards me than I run towards him. I stop and flitter and get distracted. And he just keeps his reckless, steadfast pursuit of us in that way. So we pray, we ponder or pursue, and then we practice. Then Paul says this, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We come to a point where Paul says this, it's one thing to be pondering these things, it's one thing to be pursuing Christ and who he is, but then we also have to be putting those things into practice. If we are being transformed into the image of Christ, if we have our identity resting in him, then we more and more become like him. But we can't do that on our own. We need those who have gone before us. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And we need those who are coming after us who we can say to them, follow me as I follow Christ. Because it's this grand circle, this movement of intertwined beings in community that we live and move and have our being in Christ. And because of that, then we are encouraging one another and being encouraged to see what people are doing, to listen to what people are doing, to pay attention and our receiving of what they are doing. And so we hear the sermons that are preached. We go to Bible studies. We read the scripture ourselves. We kneel in prayer with others. We pay attention to those who have gone before us, who have lived lives that are pure and honorable, not because of who they are, but because they are in Christ. And we say, yes, I want to be like that. I want to do that thing. put into practice. Because when we put into practice this pursuit of Jesus, it causes us to pray and realign ourselves with God so that we don't have to be anxious about anything. 
Now, last week, I, I, I took a little bit of time to, to remind us that what we're talking about here is being over-concerned. What we're talking about here is not those physical, chemical, biological things that cause anxiety uh, and depression to come into our lives. What we're talking about is our ability to move our own minds off of God and onto our problems. And so first of all, we want to praise God that there are things that he has provided for us to engage in anxiety and depression and worry that are much deeper and spring from other places through doctors and medications. We're thankful for that. But many of us don't struggle with that. Many of us, our struggle is just control. That we want to be the ones that pursue ourselves and our plans. We want to be the ones that say good job and give ourselves gratitude. That we want to be closed off with what we really need from God and from others and even from ourselves often. And what Paul says is that will only lead you to be anxious about everything. <laughs> but if you pray and you ponder and pursue and you practice living a life that is aligned with who God is and who he made you to be. One who is loved and pursued. One who has been adopted. One who is made whole in your relationship with God and with yourself and with all others and the place that you even live then you will be able to move. And when anxiety begins to creep in, you can say, wait, wait. I will turn to God and I will turn to those around me and I will turn to prayer to allow God to bring me through. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are holy and true. We ask that if there are any words that I have spoken today, if they're not your words, that they will burn up and that they will go away. But if they are your words, Father, that they will take deep root in our hearts and that they will bring you glory and honor. Father, I, I do ask a special request right now that your spirit will come and weigh heavy on those with your great steadfast love that are suffering with worry and anxiety today. Those who are just over-concerned, yes, but those who have it happen to them because of physical and mental and chemical and emotional things. We just ask that your Holy Spirit will weigh heavy on them in your steadfast love that they will see your face, the magnificence of it. They will know that you are for them and not against them. And Father, let us move in the power that we have to rest in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.